Um, you know, for all the singles, uh, whether you are in a relationship or not, listen carefully because this uh, is very relevant to you. Thanks to a major question that the Corinthian church has asked in their letter to Paul previously, he's addressing this issue of whether young men who are betrothed should marry or not, given the distressing circumstance that they were in. You know, even for us, during this time, the pandemic and stay-at-home orders have forced the engaged couples who were all set to get married this spring, it forced them to make some tough and difficult decisions. And we had a few in our congregation as well. But this message goes beyond those couples. But it is really applicable to all the singles. You know, in the context of chapter 7, which deals with marriage and singleness issues, Paul provides an important pastoral and spiritual guidelines. And he does this with a, uh, within a wide theological framework on the nature of living in marriage. That's the big uh, fr- theological framework we have to look at. In this, a- uh, in this day and age, we look at singleness as some kind of aberration. If you're not married by a certain age, then people kind of look at you wondering, like, you know, how come you're not getting, how come you didn't get married, right? You are at a certain age. How come you didn't get married? You are missing something. You are really living an unfulfilled life. And that's what this world pretty much tells us. I remember uh, some of, many of you guys may not know, there is this uh, movie called Jerry Maguire. Uh, it's with like Tom Cruise and uh, Renee Zellweger. And there is this scene where, you know, they kind of had issues. So they were separate. Or they just, she was really, you know, just kind of got away from him. And then he realizes, oh, my gosh, I'm missing out. So he comes after her. And it just you know, says, you know, in the end, this and this, you know, I, great things happening. But, you know, I realized that I was missing something. And I realized it was you, you know. My joy wasn't complete without, uh, without you. And he said, you know, you complete me, right? And then Renee Zellweger, she looks at him and says, shh, right? And says, you know, you had me at hello, right? And then all the people that are, oh, that is so cute. And, but what the, what, the mes- uh, what the message is, is you are incomplete if you are away, if you are single, if you are not with somebody else in a relationship or in marriage, then you are not, you have unfulfilled, unfulfilled life. This word tells us that you are missing out if you don't get married. You are at a disadvantage. So singles feel pressured to find someone because the social norm is that you be, at least be in a relationship. And I was a single for a long time, so I know the pressure. You know, your parents, your friends, the relatives, People around you are on your case often. And what you often hear at church is about marriage and family life. And moms love to talk about their kids all the time. So if you are single, you feel alone. You feel left out. It seems like everyone has moved on with their lives except you. 
you are still stuck. It's as if marriage is the be-all and end-all of our existence, especially for single ladies. Because of the ticking biological clock, I've seen older singles you know, switching churches to cast their nets wide or rushing into a relationship or marriage with somebody who has a really uh, red flags right, all over the place. And yet, they're like, no, I'm, I'm going with this. Right? I want to get married. A lot of people seem like decent Christians until it comes to the arena of relationship and marriage. Then everything goes out the window. I'm a Christian, but I have to get married. And there is, and you know what? There is a non-Christian, actually, who is interested in me, right? Or someone with a checkered past. But you know what? I, I want to get married. I have to get married, so I'm going to go for it. Marriage, although it is ordained by God, is not the salvation that you are looking for. Marriage is not your salvation. Some, some people, they get married just to get away from home. Maybe they grew up in a really abusive uh, family, in a really dysfunctional family, and they just, uh, just can't wait to get away from their home. So they quickly, desperately look for somebody that will show them interest, and they, they quickly get away. Some people, they look for, because they are so lonely, they want to find a warm body next to them. They don't want to be lonely anymore. So they desperately look for someone to be in a relationship with or get married. They are looking for salvation in the wrong places. Expecting the marriage to solve their problems. It won't. You know, you know who, are the, who are some of the loneliest people that I know? It's not singles. It's people who are in marriage. People who are married, and yet the spouses, they are spiritually, emotionally detached. They don't communicate. They are at odds. They talk over each other. So even though they may live under the same roof, but they do not know each other. They don't understand each other. They do not hear each other. They're so lonely that they were supposed to be, that their spouse, if anybody, was supposed to be there for, for you. And yet, that person doesn't understand you. You don't feel accepted or loved. Loneliness. But marriage is not your salvation. So singles, do not give in to the cultural expectations of what you should do. Finding your soulmate and getting married is not the be-all and end-all of your life. Don't just take it from me. Listen to what Paul says. He was single, never married. In Jewish culture in the first century, those who were betrothed to be married were committed to each other, and the, uh, the divorce was the only way to call that off. If you look at Matthew chapter 119, Joseph, right, they were, uh, Mary was his betrothed.
but because she was pregnant without you know, having that uh, relationship together, Joseph considered divorcing her, divorcing quietly. That's how it was back then in Jewish society. But of course, there was no consummation of marriage there. But, but in uh, Corinth, a Greek city, it did not require divorce. So this can be readily applied today. Paul is not giving a direct command from Jesus here. In this matter, Paul expresses his own judgment because he says, I give my judgment. So you may ask, oh, so is he just expressing his own thoughts and opinions? Well, what we have to keep in mind is that his apostolic command commands come by divine inspiration. And he writes as one convinced that he is guided by the Holy Spirit. As he says in verse 40, and he says, um, yet, uh, you know, at the end he says, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. I am guided. When I'm giving recommendations and when I talk about these things, I am guided by the Holy Spirit. And so, what he exhorts here is the better, better course of action. His instruction here is not really a question of right and wrong, right? But a recommendation of what is good and what may be even better. Present distress here refers probably to the pressures and difficulty of, being, uh, of the Christian life in an immoral and hostile environment. So we have to really consider these factors when making a decision about, about marriage. Because it is no walk in the park to be a Christian in this world. And it says the appointed time, probably referring to the second coming of Christ, has become increasingly short. Life is fleeting as the times of crisis remind us. Just like this pandemic, life is fleeting. You just never know what's going to happen. Being a follower of Christ means our perception and the way we view our lives must be orient, oriented to biblical values and biblical worldview. Life now takes a new perspective. So marriage, making money, or other things must not be all-consuming. With a new Christian worldview, all the normal activities should look, should look different because the world in its present form is passing away. In verse 31, it says this, And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. It is going away. All the ordinary human activities, whether it be celebrations or wakes, commerce, shopping, and what have you, are legitimate endeavors, but they are all fleeting. They don't last forever. Therefore, we all should sense an urgency to, to serving the Lord because we do not know when all this will end. Because our life, it's the brevity and the fleeting nature of our life really speaks to that. 
It will come unannounced and, and un unexpectedly, much like the COVID-19. I mean, who saw this coming? The beginning of the year, who among us could have imagined that we all would be just shut in, that we will be, I will be standing in front of a camera speaking to you who are sitting at home. None of us could have seen, could have predicted this, could have even imagined. Now, I'm not saying this is the end of the world. Right. Actually, some, somebody actually asked me, is this it? Is this the time? Well, it could be, but it may not be. We don't know. The time is short. So we have to be really consumed and just have that undivided devotion to the Lord. And that's what Paul is advocating here. We've got to live with a sense of urgency that there is no time to waste. Do not be unduly concerned with the affairs of this world because material things are changing and they are disappearing. So within this theological framework, Paul says that those who raised the issue, uh, issue about marrying the betrothed should be free from life's burdens in the present and impending distress. Those who choose to wed must not become so preoccupied with their families that they can no longer effectively serve Christ. And he goes on to say the task of every single person is to see how one can please the Lord, not oneself. Right. That is the calling of every single person. It is not to really serve our own purpose, but to please God and to, ple uh, to serve His purpose. And on the other hand, the task, so he can really focus on the, the affairs of the Lord, the kingdom agenda. On the other hand, the task of the married person is to see how he or she can please the spouse. Once again, it's, he's, he's, called, he's, he's supposed to be divided between how to really please God and please the spouse. There is no room for self. Right. Even here, there is no pl uh, place for self-centeredness and how he can attend to the concerns of the children. So obviously, his time and his interest is divided. This isn't a knock on the parents. You just don't have uh, much time available to serve other people at the church. Paul's main concern is their own welfare, these uh, singles, people who are engaged here, not to restrict them. And here, um, it says, to lay a restraint upon you, that, that word, that phrase, it literally means to throw a noose around. Right. He doesn't want to just throw a noose around your neck and try to restrain you. It comes down to giving undivided devotion to the Lord. And that is the main point of Paul that's making. His main focus is on that, that as people of God, that we are called to give undivided devotion to the Lord. That has to be the main focus for everyone. How can I devote myself to the Lord and His purposes? The world will give us ever-increasing distractions. You know, I am old enough to have gone through a time 
when there, was, there were no smartphones, no Netflix, right? But now, everything is available at your fingertip, right? You have your Twitter account, Instagram, TikTok, what have you, right? And now we are glued to our phones throughout the day. And we just spend hours and hours watching K-drama, which is not even a reality. It's so made up, you know, world, fantasy world. But we are engrossed in it. Paul's concern and focus is us giving our undivided devotion to Christ. So the primary question that Paul is asking for us singles, those of you who are singles, should ask is, how do I serve the Lord best? Single or married? For the engaged couples, whichever state enables you to do so, go ahead and consider that. For some, it may be being celibate. For others, it may be being married. I know a, a, a prayer warrior lady, and she made a conscious decision when she became a Christian to remain single and devote her life to prayer and intercession. And I've seen her throughout her life not being uh, tied to family obligations, and she has really lived a full life. And now she has gone to be with the Lord. But she literally gave all her life, all her time and energy, and every drop of her energy and, and efforts for the kingdom of God. So for some people, being celibate may serve the Lord best. Like for, for me, like because I, I've been in ministry, I find that when I was single and trying to minister, I, I saw a lot of limitations. Uh, like I just couldn't really talk to the single ladies because you know, I was a single guy. And so, I mean, you know, like now that I'm married, you know, I'm, I'm safe, right? So I, I think I can at least like talk to them, you know, uh, somehow. Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, even when I was single, I was a safe guy. You know, I was always in the friend zone. Um, but, you know, so I, I, I found that still to be somehow limiting. And so for me, I felt like maybe being, you know, being married would have uh, opened the opportunity for me to, you know, minister more widely, right? So it's, it's different from person to person. So we have to consider all these things, right? And he also becomes also very specific, um, like factors to consider before making a decision to go ahead and marry or not. If the guy is not behaving properly toward her, possibly it could mean her family members or maybe even the betrothed herself feel that he should fulfill his promise. Then he should go ahead and marry or if she's getting beyond her prime age, you guys are, you are engaged, but you know, like if she's you know, getting up there, right? Then maybe you should just, Paul says, hey, let them marry. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Or you know, if the guy is going crazy without her, burning with his desire, then he should marry her. It is no sin. On the flip side, if he has settled the matter in his own heart is, and is under no compulsion from her family, relatives, or even from her, and also he can control his passions for her, then remaining single is also appropriate. Both married 
an unmarried status are good options. It's not that one is good and the other is bad. That's not it. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not a moral issue. Even though Paul sees a particular benefit in remaining unmarried, because that person is able to give his undivided devotion to the Lord. He just has more time. He doesn't have to be, his interest doesn't have to be so divided. Even in, in generally speaking, singles tend to have more time to serve the Lord. And that's, the, that's generally the case in the church. A lot of um, Sunday school teachers, youth teachers, other volunteers, they tend to be singles or the married couples without kids, because they just have more time to serve. The church has to do a good job of nurturing and discipling these people so as to fulfill their calling before God. And here, Paul does not limit the scope of his discussion only to the unmarried singles, but also extends to the widows, or by extension, widowers. They also have the choice to remain unmarried or to marry. Death breaks the marriage bond. And a Christian is then free to marry another Christian. The only consideration is that the new spouse must be a Christian, genuine Christian. So as um, Paul was exhorting and telling the people in Corinth, and for all of us who are still singles, you know, we have to ask ourselves, how can I serve the Lord best with undivided devotion? And as we pray through that, wrestle with it, may God give you the wisdom and discernment so that in whichever way, once again, it's not, there is no sin involved. Both are good, good things, honorable to the Lord. So pray through, consider, but please understand, just because you remain single doesn't mean that you are less of a person or you are missing out, right? So may that be our approach and understanding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you at this time and we look to you for guidance and Lord, uh, for, we pray uh, specifically for our singles, unmarried singles or widows, widowers. Lord, you know what they are going through. You know what's in their hearts. You know their desires. Help them to understand God. Help them to see that they are, to, they are called to turn to you that they are called to serve you with undivided devotion. And so, Lord, help them. Give them discernment so that they will not simply give in to the social expectation, cultural expectations put on them. They will be able, that they will be able to think and pray independently and seek what is best for you, that you would just guide their steps and turn to you 
We also pray for those who are still mourning. Pray that you would uh, comfort those who mourn. That you would strengthen those who are weak-hearted, those who are suffering, those who are sick, that you will bring healing. For those of us who are still looking for work, that you will provide for them. God, we need you. And help us, God, even in these times of crisis, that we will turn to you in trust, knowing that you will make everything right, that you will answer our prayers according to your purpose. Thank you that you are our God. And we thank you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.